Hi, this is Dr. Duncan McCollum, and welcome to McCollum Wellness Radio. Now more than ever, our country needs to learn how to take care of our own health, and it's my mission to empower you on that journey. Please join me each week as I cover these topics and interview experts throughout the field to bring you the answers you need to reach your maximum health potential. Thank you and enjoy the show. Or their life isn't going very well, or they might have just lost a loved one or a job, or they're not feeling good about their life and the direction of their life, and they don't really know that anybody cares. So one thing we work on in my office with my staff is really trying to take our attention off ourselves and ask questions of patients to see if there's something that we can do to help them. So um, a lot of times people like to come into the office and ask, you know, about our personal lives and how we're doing. And it's so easy for us to talk about that. But we're really there for the patient. So think about what a knee-jerk reaction, how are you doing, fine, how are you, is. It's almost like there's not, you don't even have to be home to answer that question. So one thing I really love to do when I'm talking to patients about their health and they're in my consultation room and we're trying to figure out whether or not what my we do here in my office can help them is I need to ask some deep questions that are going to help me figure out if they're coming in in some kind of pain or discomfort Sure, you could easily mask this with some kind of medication or some kind of drugs or alcohol. Um, you can avoid looking at it. You could try to ignore it. You could lessen the desires in your life based on your physical limitations, whether it's uh, from pain, from uh, structural stuff and nerve interference, or if it has to do with um, some kind of dis-ease, D-I-S, dash E-A-S-E, some kind of process going on your body that's making your body not at ease and making it difficult for you to even get through life. You know, so often people that are in pain, they have one thought, one predominant thought, and that's how do I get out of pain? When people are doing well, they're going off with a hundred or a thousand different ideas and goals and things that they want to do in their life. And that's where the creative imagination comes in. When you are free to create, there's so much to do. It's this life is beautiful. I'm going to go down and look at the wildlife bloom or the wildflower bloom this weekend because, you know, after the huge amount of rains we've had, they have a record bloom, a super bloom, they call it, of wildflowers. And to me, going out and seeing nature in its grandeur like that being able to take the time and go to a place away from my regular living circle where I can actually, by popping out of where I'm at, I can get creative or I can reset my goals or I can just relax. But so much, so much of the time we get so stuck in this circle of going around and around and around that it's difficult for us to take ourselves out of that situation. So I'm really happy to be um, able to talk to that with you all 
you know, um, I had a guy call me um, off the other day from the radio show. He might be listening today. And he wanted to talk to me about the radio station and about KSCO and the content of KSCO and what his and a bunch of his friends' responses were to some of the content. And, you know, I'm really glad he called because if one person calls, so many people would like to are thinking about it. And so I was uh, in a situation where I could sit down and listen to him. We talked for 15 minutes, maybe. And, you know, the cool part of it is by listening to his concerns, I was able to understand his point of view. And then, by the way, I told him and um, I said, you know, you're free to come on KSCO and, and have a show. You know, you talk to Michael Zwirling, MZ at KSCO.com and, you know, just let him know that you're interested in doing your show. And, you know, there's a fee involved in it. I, I'm paying to talk to you all because I, I want to get, I want to give back to the community. Um, I've had so many things happen in my life where I was living in quiet desperation and um, many people didn't reach out and a lot of people did reach out, but, you know, and it's sometimes timing is involved. So people might reach out, but you're not ready to receive it. So if you talk to a friend or associate or a family member who is stuck in their own muck and you ask them, you observe it, you see if you can help them and they may not be um, resilient to that or be able to receive that help right now, don't give up. You know, I've had, I've lost family members in my personal family immediate family to uh, succumb committing suicide because they didn't get that correct solution or help. They didn't get somebody to help. I was young. It was my older brother. And uh, I'll never forget that I had thought about going to talking to him. Um, I was nine years old and I already knew what was going to happen, but I didn't uh, act on my thoughts. And then at that point, it was too late. Now, I don't blame myself today. Uh, actually, never did. Um, I looked at it as with a lot of sadness. I wonder where he'd be today. But, you know, that's where this small act of kindness can come in. You never know how, how far reaching it can be. Um, so when you're at work, when you're talking to people in uh, your surroundings. Um, you can't do this all the time, but, you know, try to pay a little more attention to what's going on in their life. You know, we just had another tragedy at a bank. You all heard about that. Well, who hadn't listened to this guy? You know, I'm not making an excuse for him, but I imagine there were times that he was reaching out to somebody and somebody wasn't paying attention. So that's a tragedy in a whole different realm. And it doesn't even have to go that far. But, you know, how many times have people in his situation, people said, hey, how are you doing? And he might have said, fine, back. Or he said, not so good. And nobody paid attention. 
So you never know how far reaching it could be for the individual, for the people he knows and cares about. Um, you know, it's so important that we actually, especially right now with what's going on in our life and the world and politics and health uh, and financial um, issues, inflation, um, gas prices, all this stuff weighs on us so much. And a lot of people are living on fixed incomes and the um, inflation rate is like 8.3% or something like that. Uh, you never know. If you're in line and there's somebody in front of you and, uh, you know, they, for some reason, don't can't pay their bill and you got a few extra bucks, throw it their way. It will come back to you. Whatever you put out will come back to you tremendously and do it only to give and um, your life will turn around. Um, you, it will come back to you somewhere. So um, I don't mean it to be this talk to be about you and what you're going to get out of it. But what I do want to see happen for me and, and myself, and every time I'm doing a radio show, I'm talking to me. You guys just happen to be able to hear my internal conversation on you know, what I think I could do to be a better server, a better person, and by that, be happier when I go to bed at night. So um, trying to go a couple levels deeper, and I'll give an example in my office, because that's something that I see every day, when I talk to somebody about, um, hey, how's it going? And they might say, gosh, I'm doing so much better. Or I might notice that they're doing better. In fact, we notice this all the time. So um, oftentimes I'll go, gosh, have you had a chance to even express how much better you're doing with somebody you know? Now, I do this for a few different reasons. Number one, if the people don't get acknowledged, they're they lose their enthusiasm for life or that area. For instance, if somebody comes in and uh, they go, gosh, I'm doing so much better, Dr. McCollum, and go, oh, great, you know, go lie down in that room. I'll be with you in a minute. What happened to their enthusiasm? It's gone. Now, if they come in and go, I'm doing so much better, I go, wow, really? What's Tell me about it. That's great. You can walk. You can, you're playing golf now. And your knees don't hurt at the end of the day? Wow, we did that stem cell, the TRT machine on you, and now we're adjusting you and you're doing so much better? That's so fantastic, man. I loved, I'm gonna tell, hold on a sec. I, do you mind telling my staff this? Because oftentimes my staff, they don't hear this because we're in the rooms treating or taking care of patients. So I'll get all the staff together with the patient's approval and I'll go up to the front and say, Patient, would you mind telling my staff what you just told me? And then you just see the patient feel so great being able to say, I can get out of my chair and walk to the kitchen without limping. And, you know, I was able to get down on the ground and play with my cat. And my staff is so happy for it because all we do is when we're in the office is work to help those people get those goals and those things achieved. So we will then express our happiness and gratitude for the fact that this patient has uh, achieved this thing. It's pretty cool. So um, by not 
And, and think about a kid, you know, think about a kid that's going, hey, daddy, daddy, or mommy, mommy, I've, you know, I can read this page off this book. And you go, okay, good, go ahead and read it. You know, you, you crush their enthusiasm and their certainty. Certainty is so important in life because when you're certain, you have power in your hands that will allow you to achieve greater things. But if you go, come on over here, tell me, read it. Wow, that's so good. That, you know what? That sounded great. I love it. Can you read some more? And take the time to give them that chance to show off a bit. So right now, so many people are just living in, like I say, quiet desperation, going through life. A lot of people live by themselves. You know, 50% of, of marriages end a divorce in this country. A lot of people aren't even reaching. After the quote, lockdown for three years, people don't even know how to go out and meet anybody anymore. So much stuff is done online where everybody has their perfect face on and uh, you never see what's behind them. I mean, it's great to see people enjoying themselves and, and out there selling their um, personalities and where or their ideas. And there's a lot of great stuff on there. But how do you actually personally get to know people again? I was watching uh, the news the other day and some guy was on there saying that he fell in love with his AI girlfriend, his artificial intelligent girlfriend online. And they started up a conversation. I was talking to somebody else today that says that they have some bot that they communicate on during their lunch break. And this bot will lie to them. It will tell untruths. It will forget things. And, you know, gosh, this, it is, it's kind of a quote, fun thing to do to be able to interact with these. But what about interacting with people? So, you know, it's come to a point where somebody walks by and you are a friend and you go, hey, how's it going, Joe? And you see him in the store. Hey, it's great to see you. Okay, I'm doing fine. See you later. And the next thing you know, that patient or that person is, they're failing in their life or they're not doing well. So by digging a little deeper and going, Joe, what's going on? How's things going? How's the family? How's, you know, how's work going? And, you know, you might find that this person needed a few minutes of somebody who cared enough to dig deep enough in a conversation to go, wow, that's really pretty amazing, man. Um, I'll tell you what, why don't we meet over a cup of coffee? I'd love to discuss this with you. Or have you considered looking in this direction? And don't make the mistake that couples make so often, which is listening and then trying to solve their problem for them. So in other words, um, you know, sometimes all somebody wants is to be heard and they don't want you to solve their problems. They just want to have you listen to them. So those are some of the important things when we're talking about breaking through the social veneer that I focus on and think about when I'm out and about. Um, and, you know, the small acts of kindness. Again, um, the guy who called the other day was this week and talked to me about my all about KSEO radio and the different uh, formats that were on there and what he liked and didn't like. But he said, oh, and I remember you talked about that, 
young lady who ran into your car on your bike, on her bike. And I go, yeah. And he goes, and that, and that act of kindness that you did to her and how that turned out. And you guys are friends now. And I go, yeah, I could have easily gotten mad, you know, and I was mad for a minute, but then I thought this is just a car, you know, this person is a, is a student. She doesn't have any money. At least I didn't when I was a student. So I decided to call her and go, look, I can fix this myself. Don't worry about it. And she called up or texted me basically saying, I'm in tears. You don't realize what's been going on in my life. Family matters, you know, issues with uh, illness in her family. And just the fact that I was willing to withdraw myself out of you hit me, you have to pay for it thing and go, you know what? I've been a student before. I got it covered this time. Just pass it on down the road. It made a huge difference in her life. So I want to I, I want to recommend that you do a couple things. One is if you care enough, or I know you care if you have time, think about a friend of yours that you haven't talked to in a while, or a family member, somebody who maybe and that doesn't have to be this, but you had a um, an upset in a conversation and you've been kind of having a grudge against them, call them up, leave a message, text them, write them a letter and just say, Hey, Mike or Sally or whoever, you know, I just been thinking about you. I remember that time when blah, 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 something good. Um, you're, I always, you know, I always have kindness when I think of you. I'd love to, uh, hear from you. Hope all's well. See you soon. So that little act of kindness might be what that person needs to get by during the day. And not only that, let's say they're already up on the higher end of, of doing great things in their life. And you do that, it might inspire them to really expand on something that they've been dreaming of doing. And they, you might give them that little bit of confidence or that little bit of a push or that somebody cares enough to make them decide to do something about it. So, um, you know, what people, confidence in life allows people to achieve great things. Certainty comes from being competent in something. And there's four degrees of confidence. And I've talked about these quite a bit. The first competent is unconsciously incompetent. In other words, you don't know what you're doing and you don't even know what you, you don't know what you're doing. These people go through life causing trouble for other people, um, not even realizing that they're affecting people's lives and their other people's health and their own life and health. And it's, it's very draining. Right above that is when all of a sudden somebody goes, you know what, I really probably don't know what I'm doing and I'm making a mess of it. That's called consciously incompetent. That's when you actually get to a point where you realize you don't know what you're doing. You're, you don't know what you're doing and you realize it. The next step above that is consciously competent. That's where you go, you know what? I'm going to make an effort to do better at what I'm doing. So I'm going to make an effort to become more confident in my life. And finally, there's the people that are unconsciously competent. They just, they're really good at what they do. They don't have to think about it. They're really good at their job. You know, after adjusting for 35 years, I'm pretty consciously unconsciously competent on how to move and adjust people. So going back to the bottom, 
unconsciously incompetent would be the people that go through life like a bull in a china shop, not even caring what whose toes they're stepping on or whose feelings they're hurting. They just are rolling around and leaving, taking no prisoners. So not much I can do for those people, not much I, anybody can. But one day they might have a loss, and it usually comes from a loss of a realization of the health family member, something that they care about. When they realize, I, I got to change my life. And this is called consciously incompetent. And here they might be realizing they're doing something they shouldn't do, whether it's drugs, alcohol, um, things, people they're hanging out with, things they're doing at work. And they're, they know they shouldn't be doing it, but they're still doing it and, and they can't change yet. These are the people that say things to others that hurt them. And again, you never know how far, far reaching a small act of kindness may go. You never know how far reaching an unsavory comment or no comment or no interest can do. Again, I mentioned earlier the guy in the bank who shot up the bank. What would have happened if somebody would have maybe given them the time of day? Maybe it wouldn't have made a difference. But, you know, I don't want to be the person that didn't give that guy a chance because it affected everybody else. So, and then you're going through life and you go, you know what? I'm really tired of being a screw up. Um, I'd like to be, there's things that I would like to do. I would like to be able to play music, maybe have a profession, maybe get into a relationship with something that's somebody that's meaningful. And then, um, so then you're consciously um, you're competent, which means you're starting to really pay attention to what works and what doesn't work. You're starting to pay attention to um, what effects you have on people and what effects your actions have on other people. And, um, you know, it's kind of a, a good place to be, but in, in another way, not so good because you're evaluating yourself. You're not going to be able to be in power or certain because you're still second guessing yourself till you get those habits that you need to get in order to become unconsciously competent, which means you're going through life. Predominantly, the things you do are successful for yourself. You are recognizing needs and wants in other people. Um, things that you can help and things that you can't help. You're not trying to make uh, gold out of lead. You know, you realize where your goals are. And, and when you're competently, unconsciously competent, you know, you can achieve so many great things in life. You know where your strong points are. And as long as you can set goals and achieve those goals and achieve happiness, and happiness is defined as, the ability to overcome not unknowable obstacles towards a known goal. In other words, you set a goal and every time you run into something and you fail, you know, that creates unhappiness. A lot of times people just quit trying to succeed. They don't know why they're failing. But as soon as you know what those obstacles are, you have the ability to overcome those obstacles. The mind is a perfect thing. It's, its purpose is to pose and solve problems. So you give it a problem, it will come up with a solution to the problem. Now, whether it's a 
favorable solution or not is dependent on you know what tools you use, how competent you are, and um, really whether or not you're going to achieve your goal has to do with whether it's a it's a worthy goal for you or not. But you know when you um, achieve a goal, you've been able to overcome all the obstacles in the way to get there. But if you don't know what the obstacles are, it's going to be a lot harder to get there. So making sure that you at least know what it is that your goals are. And I I look at it this way. There's a story that I've told before about a jar of fleas. And uh, they put a lid on the fleas, on the jar, and the jar fleas kept jumping up and hitting that lid trying to escape. But they knew that if they jumped any higher than the attempt to do a jump any higher than the lid, they'd hit the lid and get knocked back down. So after a period of time, they got conditioned on how high they could jump. So finally, they took the lid off the jar. Well, the fleas would jump, but no farther than the lid. So their avenue was no farther. Their vision was no farther than what the barriers that had been put on them. And they were at one point knowable because they knew that they jumped up and they'd hit that thing. But once that was gone, they still couldn't jump any further because of their conditioning. So the good part about Homo sapiens is we have an ability to think and reason provided that we have the right information and a clear thinking ability, which has to come, has to do with the four types of competence. Do you know how to um, evaluate things? Are you competent in looking at data and evaluating whether it's good or bad? So if you're unconsciously incompetent, good luck. You gotta come up to realize that you're incompetent in areas of your life so that you know how to start to work on them and be consciously incompetent and work through the, the um, steps you need to become consciously competent. And you need help, you know, there's, the wheel's been invented for a long time. There's probably very little out there that people may want to achieve that somebody hasn't already done and worked out all the hard knots out of those wheels so that it rolls smoothly. Doesn't mean you're not going to go through the bumps to get there, but you do have a chance to get there. So what I want to do uh, for a minute, I'm going to take a short break here. I'm going to share my screen. And I'm going to show um, a, a video of uh, just because I want to talk about my the stem cell machine that I have here. And um, I want people to understand that we have something available right now that um, nobody really knows about. And um, there's only 600 or 700 in the country. When I got mine, there were only 200. And it's a... It's a stem cell machine that recruits your own body stem cells and gets them to the area of um, injury. And uh, I can show this on my Zoom meeting screen. I can't show it on the Facebook screen, but I'm going to play it so you can hear Karen and her success story from uh, one to two treatments in our office. Here we go. You've had a few different surgeries in your back. Yeah, only six or seven, yeah. Yeah, and you have steel putting the last three vertebrae together mm -hmm. and steel in your neck. Yes. 
and you were still in pain after that. Yes. So they put implanted in your spine stimulation. Spinal cord stimulator, yeah. And did that help you? No, it made everything so much worse. Yeah. And then they revised that twice and added more paddles and stitched it all in and continued to get work. All trying to resolve the problem that they caused by putting it in, which was a diaphragm cramp yeah. that never went away. Yeah. It started the day I woke up from the permanent implant, and it ended last week. Wow. You took care of me. Thank you so much. How working. long was that? Three years. Three years. Almost to the day. Yeah, March wow. is when it started. I remember you walking in. Yeah. You just were dead over. Yeah, because I, I couldn't breathe. Every time yeah. I took a breath, it cramped. So I was yeah. like this. Yeah. And then I'm able to stand and breathe. And the next week you came in and said, well, now my low back is so painful. This is better. Can we do anything for your low back? So we said, well, let's try that. So what happened there? I just want to back up just a little bit. The spinal cord stimulator was implanted because I was having severe pelvic and sciatic nerve pain on both sides all the way to my feet wow all the time i couldn't yeah. sit more than 10 to 15 minutes i couldn't sleep more than 20 minutes so i was willing to do that spinal cord stimulation. just that's important piece but last week you put the stimulator the, the stim wave and the pain stops and it's all but gone i oh, watched wow. the 49er game with for an hour in a row in a chair. Wow. I'm sleeping. Yeah. And uh, I was able to walk on the beach. You it's really beach. changing everything. Yeah, those are God bumps. Yeah. Um, and I have them too. Yeah. Um, because I know it's a miracle. Mm -hmm. Um, I know, and I, I, I always knew it, the problem came from the surgeries. Yeah. It started when we started surgeries. Yeah. I ran a severely frequent urinator like. 20 to 30 minutes, just like getting up out of the chair. And um, it's so much better. It's, it's hours. And I'm urinating a sixth as many times. Wow. And we talked about the nerve that come out of your low back where all that metal is. And that makes sense. It goes to the bladder. And those nerves that were in here are the nerves that come out of your low back where your surgeries were. And those nerves go to the bladder. By taking pressure off those nerves, your bladder's not there. I know. It's like and see now you could not have done that two weeks yeah. ago. I would have screamed. Wow. Wow, well, that's such a cool um video. Uh, Karen is uh, was in today doing amazing. She's on a maintenance program now. Um, if I could show you her um x-ray, you would be amazed. And um, you know, it's just amazing to me that people can oh wait a second. It's amazing to me what happens when people find out about what we do. So again, there's less than 700 of these machines in the country. And when I first uh, found out about it, I couldn't lift my arm and heard it so many times in life and then adjusting. And uh, it would have been a few months and I'd gone to Mexico. I'd had uh, injections in it, PRP, um, which is platelet-rich plasma. And I... Luckily, had another chiropractor here doing my treating for me, but I was really concerned about, you know, what my future looked like. But I went and got one treatment with that machine. 
I could raise my arm 40%. The next treatment a week later, 80%. So I went and bought the machine. So, you know, to me, unbelievable. Some person cared enough to say, you should go look at this. And that's a small act of kindness. That's, hey, uh, Duncan or Dr. McCollum, how you doing? I'm going, man, I, I can't lift my arm up. It's doing terrible. Oh, that's a bummer, man. Try taking some medication. We'll see you later. I got to go. I'm busy. I'm late for work, right? Versus, you know, take time. Why don't you look into this? Perhaps this thing can help you. Now, not just about my office, but how how's everything going? Um, that's okay. Okay, great. Usually their first response will be, yeah. So how do you dig layers deep to find out how it's going with somebody? You have to ask questions. And so one of the first things, you know, uh, I'll, I'll just give an example when a patient comes into the office, how I dig, okay? So they come in and I see um, low back pain. And we have a questionnaire that says, does it affect work, sleep, hobbies, um, home life, mood, um, energy levels, things like that. And they circle yes or no on it. And so a lot of times when people, again, I mentioned earlier, when, you have, when you're in pain, you have one thought predominantly. I'm in pain, like Karen we just saw, get me out of pain. You know, when you're not in pain, you have hundreds of ideas and thoughts going on, creating life for you. So what we want to do is try to, in this particular case in my office, I'm going, so listen, let's say their name is John. John, you have low back pain. Gosh, I'm so sorry to hear that. You know, I've had that myself. I really understand it is no fun. So I, I'm glad you're here and I hope that we can help you. So we're going to dig in and find out whether or not this is something that seems like I can. And, you know, if I don't think I can, I promise you, I'll find, try to find the right person for you. And so I'll dig in and ask them, well, how long have you had this condition? Um, was there, and a lot of times they'll say three days. I woke up brushing my teeth and I couldn't get up. And to them, they've had that pain for three days. But then you dig a little deeper and go, wow, well, is this something that you've had before? Oh, yeah. You know, you know, I've had it off and on for years. Minimizing, minimizing, really? Well, how many times a year do you get it? You know, actually, if we're talking about headaches, this is a crazy one. Let's say it's headaches. They go, well, I get headaches. And, you know, maybe, well, how often? No, three times a week. Really? Okay. And um, how severe can they be? Oh, they can get to be an eight sometimes, and I take Advil, and then it helps them. Okay, how many years have you had that? Ten years. Wow. So you've had headaches three times a week for ten years. That's 365 times three. Oh, no, 52 weeks times three is, uh, what, 156 times ten? You've had 1,500 62 or whatever headaches, 1,562 headaches in the last 10 years. Does that sound normal to you? It may be normal, but it ain't healthy. And you've been taking Advil for those? Do you know what Advil does to your liver and kidneys? Number one cause of failure. So what do you think is going to happen if we don't get this resolved? Do you know that it can upset your stomach? Oh, yeah, well, I've had stomach problems. 
Okay, tell me about that. Well, sometimes I have, you know, blood in my stools or bleed. I mean, believe it or not, I hear this a lot. And um, so I go, okay, well, wow, let's find out if we can help you. And so you mentioned hobbies here, but you, you kind of half circled it. Is this affecting your hobbies? Well, no, not really. I don't play golf anymore. Okay, so it is affecting, I say to myself, it is affecting your hobby. You're not playing golf anymore. Was there anything else that you like to do? Well, you know, I like to garden, but when I bend over my stomach, I get acid reflux now. So I don't usually get to garden so much. And it's kind of a bummer for me because I loved planting the flowers for the spring bloom, which I have going on in my yard right now, all my ranunculus and my... Uh, digitalis or foxgloves are coming up and all the other really pretty mccolumbines and stuff um so i go wow well how does that make you feel that you're not able to do the sports you like play golf or you know go out and garden um you say you used to like to walk well you're not able to walk no and that's all right i just don't walk anymore and people deaden themselves based on the fact that they've given up on the chance of their life getting better in that way. So that's where caring about somebody enough to get them to make a decision to do something different comes in. So if you don't know what else to do, you're stuck. So many people have tried all kinds of different things for pain. They've tried you know, first it might be ibuprofen, then it might be, or aspirin, then ibuprofen, then Tylenol, then pretty soon they're taking gabapentin and gab, you know, and um, hydrocordone. And, you know, they're addicted to these things. And you, those cause other problems with the organs like the liver to detoxify it and stuff. And I don't know if you can see this right behind me here um, is a, a frame of a patient of mine who has 10 medications. She made this box for me here, 10 medications. And it says before, while working as a nurse, back braces, wrist braces, ice packs, ibuprofen were part of my daily life. Asthma symptoms had required several trips to ER. She has her inhalers up here, uh, a few different ones of those. Um, four or five prescription drugs, uh, asthmanizer thing. And then she says, I chose Dr. McCollum and chiropractic care. It became a life-changing event. There's a picture of her here, which you can't see. And one down here says before, after, she says, I was on nine asthma meds. Now I take none. This says with treatment, I lost 30 pounds and dropped eight dress sizes. Now, she is a nurse who'd never been to a chiropractor, and I met her, actually. She was uh, taught at a local high school. She would teach one of those classes for, you know, career education. And since it was a health thing, they asked me to come and talk about chiropractic because students may be interested in that. And the nurse came up to me afterwards, and she said, well, you know what, I... I'm interested in what you're saying. Can you think you can help me? I said, well, I don't know. Why don't you come in? Let's take a look. We never sit down to talk to anybody about their health problems. 
you know, and that's one thing I can promise anybody listening. You call up and say, I'd like to have a consultation with Dr. McCollum. Um, the consultations are free. If I think I can help you, I'll let you know. And I'll go, now we need to do the next step, which might be an examination, potentially take some x-rays of the area. We always, uh, we have digital x-rays here and I've read um, thousands of x-rays. I realize I'm almost up to 20,000 patients now usually take a set of six or seven x-rays of every patient. So that's something like 21,000 x-rays, 2,210,000 x-rays I've looked at in my career. That's a lot of x-rays. So I have a lot of understanding uh, of what is right and what's wrong. I also do refer them out when need be. And I've found some things that I had to refer out because I suspected what they were and they weren't great. But, you know, being able to feel competent at what I'm doing as a chiropractor or as a healthcare professional comes with, you know, really paying attention to the patient's indicators, having enough experience, um, being able to know what you know and what you don't know. That's called competence, being um, unconsciously competent in what you do understand and then consciously competent enough to know, I need to refer this person out or we need to get some more information from them. Uh, so I'm gonna just go on with uh, what um, this patient said here. She goes, thank you, Dr. McCollum. First, I first visited Dr. McCollum seven years ago. I had become very frustrated with my health. Ongoing back spasms, chronic asthma symptoms, and increased required hospitalization in ER. I was taking nine daily meds just to maintain most of the, them related to asthma or side effects of the meds. It was a struggle to continue working as a nurse. My thyroid daily, oh, my typical daily, I, I have to get out of the way of the tube that's coming down here. My Typical, uh, there it is. My typical uh, daily re required two wrist braces, back braces, ice packs, and Advil by the end of every shift. I made a conscious choice to do something different, a conscious choice. She realized that doing what she was doing was not going to make a difference. So she paid attention to Einstein that said doing the same thing and affecting a different, expecting a different result, you know, has its drawbacks. And I needed to do, I needed to do something different to get my body healthy and moving again, to get back on track and to, to the active life that I had been used to. So I chose Dr. McCollum for chiropractic care and it became a life-changing event for me. I can go on and on and on. I won't right now just because the matter of time, but this is something that anybody has the ability to do is make a change, make a decision to change. And then you got to find the right path. You know, whether if it's your health, um, you know, the United States is rated 47th in the world for health. And I don't know if you know that there's 46 countries healthier than us. We take more drugs than any country in the world, and we're only 4% of the world population. So when you look at, if you were gonna look at an investment 
or if you were going to look at buying a new car, you probably would look at the car statistics and go, I'm not going to buy the one that breaks it all the time. And I'm not going to buy the one that, you know, has parts that you can't get. I'm going to buy one of the best ones. So when you're looking at healthcare, Western medicine is absolutely the best for emergency medicine. When my pain, um, appendix ruptured in November of 2021, I was five days from death, if or probably even less than that, because it was that when you have a ruptured appendix, it will kill you. I'm so glad I had Western medicine for that. The one thing that Western medicine is not so great at is getting your body optimized to be able to let the free of the best physician that ever lived, and that's the physician that lives inside of you, which is called your innate intelligence. So, you know, I encourage people, if you know somebody that is living in quiet desperation, um, if it's health-wise, get them to see a healthcare, I'd say a natural healthcare person first. Uh, hopefully that person is um, versed enough to know what they can help and not help. And then um, there are, in my world, there are different types of chiropractors. There are chiropractors that um, just have you come in when you're in pain. And then there's chiropractors that say, let's get your body optimum functioning and then keep it that way. I prefer that because I, when I broke my back when I was 12, I had spent many times being carried into a chiropractor. And after I did that enough times at a young age, what the doctor had been telling me is, let's fix it. Let's get it running as good as you can and then keep it that way. I finally listened to him and that happened. And because of that, I became a chiropractor myself to help as many people as I could achieve optimum health so that I could achieve my goals and pursue my goals. We just um, had a meeting with one of the doctors in my office today talking about you know, what his goals were. Um, you know, he ultimately has his own passion to move back to where his family is and work on his uh, building a practice back there. But while he's here, we want him to have all get everything he needs to have a successful practice. So that's why um, I told him, while you're here, sit in all, there's nothing Nothing I do in my practice am I going to hold back for you because I know if I help you become successful, you're going to go out and help more people through chiropractic. And I I know what how great that will be. So when we talk about um, my original beginning of this is, you know, um, breaking through people's social veneer to really find out what you can do to help them. Don't be fooled by the... How's that going? Great. How are you? Great. And think that they're really doing that way. I would bet that most of them aren't, you know, and they're just saying that because it's the right thing to say. Now, you know, you don't have to go around and try to save the world, but a, a small act of kindness, a simple comment about, hey, gosh, I love your earrings or, you know, uh, your hair looks great today or it's nice to see you smile. You should splurge on it. Try to give in words something that will bring up 
the person that you're with. Always try to leave that person doing a little better than when you first met them. I think that's uh, something that um, Charlie Chaplin said, and I'm probably misquoting who said it, but I remember him saying, no matter what, when I meet somebody, I want to leave them feeling a little bit better. And by doing that, if everybody did that, we'd have a much better, happier world to, to live in. So uh, this is Dr. Duncan McCollum. This is KSCO Radio. Um, I'm here every Saturday from 1 to 2, and then the show repeats Mondays from 2 to 3, 1080 a.m. or ksco.com. You can see all of my shows on Duncan McCollum, Dr. Duncan McCollum YouTube. Please get on there and be a subscriber for me. It would help me out. You can also listen to all of my podcasts at McCollum Wellness Radio. Uh, any place you play podcasts, you can um, listen to McCollum Wellness Radio, and there's a lot of great information on there. One of the main things that um, we have going at our office is we have our stem cell machine. Um, it is a sound wave machine. And what it does is it helps your body bring its own stem cells out of the long bone into the area that we treat. It's great at a microscopic level where it will help repair and um, rejuvenate uh, scar tissue. It will rejuvenate the cartilage on the joint ends of the joints, knees. We have incredible results with shoulders, low backs, um, ankles, hips. Um, it's amazing. It's, it's a life-changing thing. And there's only 700 of them in the country. So you're not going to hear about it very much um, unless you hear about it from us. We've got just a few minutes left. Um, I'm going to go ahead and share my screen again and play another um, commercial from the same gal. Um, and this is uh, another version of Karen, another short success. And uh, you can see um, that those are her x-rays on the screen now. You can see the bolts in her back. She had surgery where they put those screws in her back. And then she had developed a condition called uh, arachnoiditis, where all of the scar tissue around the um, screws in her back have stopped it from um, moving and created a tremendous amount of pain. So let's listen to Karen again. Hi, this is Dr. Duncan McCollum. I'm a chiropractor, and I have a machine called a tissue regenerative therapy machine that actually helps get your own stem cells to an area of old injury. Karen, as you know, has had some surgeries on her back. Here's a picture of what it looks like in here. And she's had some pretty good results with what we've done. So can you just say where we've been and where you are now? After all, these are your, your peoples. Um, I just wanted to make this um, short one for folks like me that have suffered from constant chronic intractable pain from old surgeries or new surgeries. Um, this particular treatment, this stem cell regeneration, non-surgical has changed my life from day one. Um, it's been about six weeks now. I didn't want to say anything sooner because I didn't uh, I didn't believe it. Um, and it is really incredible. I suggest anyone that needs to or has any desire to feel better, please check 
Yes. Yeah, Dr. Duncan McCollum, 831-459-9990 or McCollumFamilyChiropractic.com. Thank you so much. If he can't help you, he'll find somebody who can. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. Well, there we go. So there, there's uh, Karen again with her success. And, you know, um, there are some of these around. There's not many in the this whole San Francisco, Santa Cruz Bay Area. We have people coming up from Carmel, from Salinas. I've had people come down from Lake Tahoe to get it. So um, we'd appreciate you sharing, spreading the word. And again, you never know how far reaching a small act of kindness could be. So um, go out there and do something, say something to somebody, give them your appreciation. And uh, um, hopefully you can, together we can change the world. One mind at a time, one being at a time, one little act of kindness at a time. It goes really far. And, uh, you know, I don't know where I'd be if somebody didn't care about me enough to help me when I was so down and out um, on pain meds. And, um, you know, I got carried into a chiropractor's office by two people. And I don't even remember their names. It was 50 years ago, almost 48 years ago. And they changed my life. And had that not happened, I probably had surgeries. I probably looked like Karen's back, if not worse. And at 67 years old, I'd probably not even be walking if I was even still alive. So at any rate, Dr. Duncan McCollum, McCollum Wellness Radio, please tune in Saturdays from 1 to 2 on ksco.com, 1080 a.m. You can find me at um, Dr. Duncan McCollum, YouTube, McCollum Wellness Radio, and uh, we'll see you all soon. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great day. If you enjoyed this episode of McCollum Wellness Radio, please share it with a friend and tell them one helpful fact that you learned today. Remember, the best way to learn is to teach.